Good evening. Great to be with you. Beautiful singing there. Love that last song there. I love all the songs, but that last song is a beautiful one. Love that one. Appreciate you being here tonight. Last week I gave a lesson, because it was the last day of 2023, I gave a lesson on six resolutions for 2024. And I meant to put them in the slideshow, but sometimes uh, it slips my mind and I forgot to put them in here. So um, that's okay. I, I think we'll remember them as we go through them, because that's what we're going to be doing, actually. Is through the next several weeks, we're going to be going through those resolutions one by one. We may couple some together. But as David and I were talking about what we wanted to do on Sunday nights, David mentioned the idea of talking about spiritual growth. And as ministers, you know, that's one of our goals for the members here at Creekwood is to help you grow spiritually. But we, what we also want is for each of us to incorporate disciplines in our own lives to grow spiritually outside of these walls during the week. And so we decided to go through six all six of those resolutions in a, in a lesson. Uh, so to, to help us grow spiritually, but also we mentioned last week that a lot of resolutions people make are failed very quickly. Uh, I don't know the stats exactly, but by February, like the first week of February, most, the vast majority of resolutions have not been kept or have been completely abandoned. And so maybe by keeping these things before us over the next several weeks, we'll be reminded to, to do these things, to, to, to be resolute in reading the word. That's what we're talking about tonight. Prayer next week, bringing lost souls to Christ, uh, not missing worship in Bible class, being involved with as many activities as possible, and engaging in acts of service. Those are the six resolutions for this year. So our hope is to talk more about these things so that we'll do them and, and, and continue to practice them. But the first resolution was, was to read the Bible every single day in 2024. Now we're, about, we're a weekend to the year, and if you haven't been able to keep that, there's no better time to start than today and, and then tomorrow and the next day. And, and if we miss a date, let's just pick it back up. But we want to talk about reading the Word more tonight uh, and focusing on that, and the, what I want to look at first is the importance of Bible reading. The, and the importance of Bible study is what I want to first look at here tonight. And you, you, we all know this, but it's important to rehash this and, and look at it because getting into the Word is so very important. Last week, I looked at Psalm 119, 105, in which the, the psalmist says, Your Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. The Bible is a guide, at least it was for the psalmist, and it can be that way for us, but we have to use it. If we're not in the Word, then it won't be that light to our path. It won't be that lamp that's guiding the way, that's allowing us to see uh, the, our steps more clearly, our way more clearly. And so the Word can be that guide. It tells us how to live. It shows us how to, how to be righteous, how to be more like God, like His Son. So we've got to be in it for it to be our guide. But if you look at Psalm 119 in its entirety, and many of you already know this, this is a massive psalm, 176 verses in this psalm. And all of it, all of it is about the word of the Lord or the law of God or his precepts or his statute. He uses different words really to refer to the same thing, the law of the Lord. And you look through this this text in, in Psalm 119, it would take you a while to read it, but it is beautiful. 
how the psalmist praises God's word, how he loves his statutes and his, his ordinances. And he talks about what it means for all of us. And so I want to look at a, a couple more verses within Psalm 119. Look at the first verse. How blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. How can we be blameless? How can we know what, what it is to be righteous? Well, it's by getting into the word. That's how we can, can, can be, know what it's like to, to be righteous, to be more like God, to be more like his son, is by getting into the word. And the psalmist says, we're blessed if we are walking in the law of the Lord. And how do we walk in the law of the Lord if we don't know it? And so we've got to be in it so that we can walk in it and therefore be blessed, as the psalmist is saying here. Look at what he says in verses 15 and 16. I will meditate on your precepts and regard your ways. I shall delight in your statutes. I shall not forget your word. Do we meditate on the precepts of God? Do we regard God's ways and delight in his statutes? And, and do we make it a point to not forget his word? Clearly the psalmist did. Clearly it was important for him to be in the word, to, to know God's statutes, his, his precepts. Think about them daily. Think about them all the time. What about you and I? Are we meditating on these things? Are we delighting in these things? Do we, do we let it slip our minds? We need to be like the psalmist and, and regard the word of the Lord as so very important because it will direct our lives. It will make us so much better. And so that's really what I was uh, pointing to last week. I also looked at Matthew 4 and verse 4 in which Jesus was being tempted by, by Satan. He'd been fasting and the, and the text says that he was hungry. For, he, was, he was fasting for 40 days and nights. And obviously you've got to be hungry after that. And Satan says, hey, turn these, stone, these stones into bread. And Jesus says, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Jesus depended on the Father, relied on the Father. What about you and I? Are we relying on what God has given us right here in the text, in his word? Do we rely on that even more than, than physical sustenance? Do we rely on the word that comes from the Lord? But I also wanted to point to a passage we all know very well. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Paul says, All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate or complete, equipped for every good work. All scripture is inspired by God. I, I like some translations believe they say it's God-breathed, all scripture is God-breathed. I like that imagery of, of God breathing it out, the, the scriptures. Folks, anything, anything that comes from God has to be important, right? I think about, Daniel's been fresh on my mind because we've been going over it in the men's class, and uh, Ross Gallagher's continued that class, but it was just a great study. But you see a lot of kings in the book of Daniel, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar, Darius, you see these different guys. Whenever they issued an edict or a word, it had to be kept. And if it was not kept, what happened? You were punished. And Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel all faced some, 
consequences for, for not following the edicts from the, from the kings. But what we see in scripture, a king's word is very, very important. How much more so the king of kings? How much more so the Lord of lords, his word? How much more important is it to follow and to, to read and understand all scripture? is inspired by God. The, the men who wrote the scriptures weren't just writing on their own. They weren't just, hey, let's put this together. God's guiding them all. And notice what else Paul says. It's profitable for us in so many ways. It teaches us. It reproves us. It corrects us. It trains us in righteousness. It makes us adequate or complete. It equips us for every single good work. But if we're not in the word, then those those things that are profitable are are not ours if we're not in it it won't correct us or train us or reprove us if we're not in the word and so being in the word is so very important because it comes from God and anything that comes from God is important but it also profits us in so many ways so have you been in the word recently really in the word diving into it studying it because when you do, your eyes are open and you, you see more clearly and things are, are, are better when we get into God's word. Now, I know you know this. This is probably not something that, that you came in here not knowing. Um, and you probably know all of these scriptures that we've looked at. I think where the rubber meets the road for many people is actually finding the time to do it. We know the importance of reading scripture. We know we need to be in the word. But then when it, when it comes to actually finding that time and actually executing that and doing it, that's where, where sometimes it gets hard because we have busy schedules, we have things going on. Uh, it may just slip our minds sometimes. And so what I want to do next, it may, may be a little different here tonight, but I wanted to get some, give you some practical things, some tips for Bible studying, tips for reading your Bibles. What can we do to actually start a habit of reading the Word And what are some things we can do to effectively study God's word? That's what I want to do for the rest of the time here tonight. Number one, pray. You may think, what's what's prayer have to do with this? And I don't want to dive too much into this because the next next week is about prayer. But we looked last week that Paul says pray without ceasing, 1 Thessalonians 5. Philippians 4, he says, in everything with prayer and supplication, present your request to God. In everything we should be praying. So why not pray? When we're reading scripture or before we read scripture, ask God for understanding, for help to to uncover his truth. And not only that, to apply it to our lives. People step up here in the pulpit all the time and say, thank you for the message we've heard. Help us to apply it to our daily lives. That's a great thing to pray. But why not do that when we're studying by ourselves during the week? Pray to God. Let's be honest. Some of the things in scripture can be hard to understand. I'm not saying it's impossible. But some things are, are, are pretty deep and can be hard to understand. And if we're praying about these things, asking God for help to understand, asking God to help us apply these things, we'll be amazed at the results. But also I think prayer helps, us, helps ground us, helps bring our focus in. Because we're connecting with God in that moment. When we pray, we're going to the King of Kings and Lords of, Lord of Lords. And what a great avenue that we have to approach him through his son, Jesus Christ. Why not use it? Why not use it when you're reading the Bible? Number two, and I cannot stress how important this is, honor the context. Honor the context. I had a professor in college 
His name was Matthew Conley. And some, some others had Matthew Conley here uh, in, in the audience at Faulkner. He was kind of an eccentric guy. But uh, he, he would tell us quite frequently, and I've told the young adults this, there are three keys to understanding any biblical text. Context, context, and context. And, he, you know, he, I guess he's kind of kidding, but he was really more or less being serious about that. You cannot understand any verse or passage or book outside of its context or void of its context. Because that's what the context does for it. It sets the stage for any book or verse. It's the setting, gives us the background information, and we cannot understand the Bible correctly if we're taking it out of its context. And might I add, this is where a lot of misunderstandings about the Bible have come is by people taking things out of context and, and just throwing things out there and saying, hey, here's what the Bible says, and they're, they're ripping things out of its context. So look at real quickly at a couple of uh, some things that uh, context includes. This is not a, an exhaustive list here. Should pop up on the screen here next. Um, but context includes several things. Number one, author. Who wrote the book? Right? I want you to imagine you get a letter from, from an anonymous source. You get a letter, it's addressed to you, but there's nothing on it from somebody, like sincerely blank or love blank. It's not, there's no return address on it. It's going to be a little bit harder to, to understand that letter. That doesn't mean you can't understand it. You can understand the content, but having the author behind that will help you understand it better because think about it. A a letter from a, a parent is going to be much different from a, a letter from somebody that you haven't seen for 15 to 20 years. You know, like maybe a, a high school classmate or something like that. The author helps us understand the book. Recipients. Who received the book? And I think about uh, Paul's letters here. He wrote to a bunch of different churches. And by understanding, you know, the, the church at Philippi or the church in Corinth, by understanding who the book went to helps us understand why he wrote the book. He's sending it to a specific people for a specific reason. Think about the date. The date of something is very important. You think about a letter from 2024 is going to be a lot different from a letter in AD 60. Or, you know, a letter 5,000 years from now. There's going to be different situations going on. There's going to be different writing styles. And so the date is, is also very important. Purpose. And folks, this is, this is something that I think is really, really important. What's the purpose of the author writing here? Why is he writing this book? What's the main theme or message of this book? And I could say I think Revelation is one of those books that has been twisted because people have misunderstood the purpose of John's writing. See, the word in Greek in, in uh, Revelation, the word in Greek is apocalypses. And... When we hear the word apocalypse, what do most people think of? Well, they think of a doomsday scenario. They think of like the, the sky falling down or some meteors or something like that and the earth being blown up or something, you know? But that's not what the word means. The word simply in Greek means an unveiling, an uncovering of something. And but just by some people throwing in that theme of, a, of an apocalypse has twisted the book of Revelation completely. When you start diving into it, you start seeing John's writing to Christians who are being persecuted, who, who are under duress from the Romans. And there's a, a lot of different theme, themes going on, but it's not about this doomsday scenario. But a lot of people have applied that to the book. I even uh, looked it up, and there's a definite, one of the first definitions of apocalypse when you type it in 
on uh, Google actually says something about Revelation. Uh, uh, doomsday scenario as written in the book of Revelation. And that's just not, that's not right. But if we really start looking into a book and uncovering the, the purpose, that, that's really, really important for understanding the, the context. Why is this author writing to this group of people? That's part of the context. How about genre? There's different genres in scripture, like poetry, prophecy, historical narrative. And, and they're not the, the exact same, right? Like trying to read a gospel as poetry is going to be really difficult. That's, it's not the same thing. Surrounding verses. This is really important because I think a lot of times we, we, people like to pull out one verse and say, there it is right there. This is what the Bible says. But then they, they fail to look at the surrounding passage. What's it saying above it? What's it saying below it? What's the larger context of the book? Let me just give you an example of this. Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through him who strengthens me or Christ who strengthens me. And a lot of times people take this and, and you know, uh, football players will put it on their eye black before a game. And basically to say, with Christ, I can run for 150 yards. Or I can throw three touchdowns. Or with Christ, I can do any physical task I, I want. I can accomplish anything with Christ on my side. And David referenced this this morning as well, correctly, that Paul's not necessarily saying that you can do whatever you want to because Christ is on your side. He's not saying you can go run for 300 yards in a game because Christ is with you. If you look at the context, well, let's just look at it. Philippians chapter 4. I think I've got them up here on the screen. Yeah, yes, I do. Philippians 4, starting in verse 10. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you have done well to share with me in my affliction. And the Philippians had helped Paul. They had given him a gift. They had been with him, supporting his ministry from the beginning. And he's, he's, thanking, he's thankful that they, they've been concerned about him and that they've helped him. But he says, you know what I've figured out? i figured out how to be content in whatever situation I'm in. No matter what happens to me, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In other words, I can endure all things. I, I can make it through whatever I face in life because I've got Christ. And I've learned to be content through him. The, the surrounding passage, he's talking about being content. And when you think about the book... He's in prison writing this, so it fits that he's not in a great situation, but he still learned to be content and to get through it with Christ on his side. So it's not that, hey, I can do whatever I want to with any, any physical task. It's I can endure all things. And like David was saying this morning, he gives us strength for the journey. Life's going to be tough sometimes, but with, with, with Christ, we can make it through. And I think about other passages, Jeremiah 29, 11. We typically, you know, give it to graduating seniors, and we don't realize that that's in the context of exile. Uh, and, and many other verses that we could really pull, that we could just pull out, but we've got to honor the context when we're reading Scripture. Thirdly, use resources. Use resources. When you're studying the Bible, it's, there are so many things out there that we can use to aid in our study. 
And I've got a list of that here on the next slide as well, some resources. You've got things like commentaries where people break down verse by verse, chapter by chapter, an explanation of the scriptures. Lexicons, these are basically, basically a dictionary of Hebrew and Greek words. Concordances tell you about Bible words and where they're used in, in the scriptures. Bible softwares, I use one called Logos Bible Software. That's basically a combination of all these things in one, uh, one software. And there's eSword and uh, Glenn Sargent showed me one that he uses fairly often. Study Bibles, they have notes at the bottom about the verses. Books, there are books dedicated to understanding scripture. How about videos? There are videos on YouTube that can help us understand something that, that we may be confused about in Scripture. Now, let me give you a word of caution. Not every resource you find out there is going to be accurate. And might I say this, most resources that you find are going to have some type of inconsistency or error in it. Humans are not infallible. Humans make mistakes, and some just simply interpret things wrong. So you have to be careful with the resources you're using. But there are so many things that can aid our study. And why not use the things that are available to us to help us understand God's word? And I can tell you right now, David's got a very extensive library. He's laughing up here. I've got some books. I know several of you have given me some books, so I know you've got a big library. If you need help, if you want some resources, we've got a lot of people in here who can help you out with that. We've got a lot of people who can give you some books, let you borrow some books, let you borrow a lexicon or a concordance. If you're struggling to understand something, ask, and we, we're, we're willing to help. That's another resource, by the way, one another. And Mike, Mike frequently, Mike Edelman frequently pull, pulls us aside and kind of asks us about Bible questions. And we just talk about those things sometimes. And talking about these things together can help us understand Scripture, get more ideas about Scripture. So let's use resources when we're studying, not just read it and then be done with it. So that's uh, the, the third thing. Fourth, take notes. Many people have found it very, very helpful to have a notepad right beside them, just jotting down some things as they're reading. I tried this method out, and I found it to be very, very helpful, taking notes as I read. And what do you take notes on? Well, anything. If you have a question about something, well, what does that word mean? Jot it down. Go back and, and research it later. If you have a question about a particular verse, man, I, I don't remember seeing that verse in there. Let me jot that down and let me go back and look for it a, a little bit later. Search more about that. General observations. What stood out to you? What's the main uh, message of this chapter? What's the main message of this section of Scripture? Just jotting down notes can be so very helpful. There's also something about just writing something down that like, makes an imprint on our minds that helps us remember things. And that's another reason why it could be helpful to just take some, some notes. Uh, next, establish a routine. And this is so very important, folks. Find a time that works best for you to spend some quality time with God. We looked several months ago, I did a message on slowing down. And I looked at Jesus' patterns how throughout his busy ministry, what did Jesus do? He frequently went away alone and spent time with the Father. He'd pray all night at times. He found that time where he could be alone. Sometimes it was early in the morning before anybody else was up when it was still dark, and he'd go and spend time with the Father. You know what's best for you. 
If you're a morning person, you probably want to read in the morning. If you're a, a night, night owl, you might want to read at night. And here's the thing, you don't just have to read one time a day either. It could be an ongoing thing, but establishing a routine where you say, I'm going to do this every single day at this time, it'll help you establish that habit and do it every single day. I've heard it takes 21 days to establish a habit. I don't know how true that is, but if you can do that consistently and you start that, you, you don't, you're not going to want to give it up. So establish that routine. And here's the thing, sometimes things get in the way. You might have a doctor's appointment or something like that, but make it a point to get into the Word every single day. Next, oh, this is the final thing, actually. Reflect on your reading. Remember what we were reading in Psalm 119? How the, the psalmist was saying that he, he contemplates the Word. He's meditating on it. When we read the Word of God, it doesn't need to go in one ear and out the other. When we get into the Word, we should reflect on it. What did I just read? What does that mean for me? How can I apply this to my life? Think about it. Meditate on it. Let it simmer in our brains. Not just read and then be done with it. Really think about that. What does this mean for me? Folks, these are the words of the living God. And we would do well to meditate on it day and night. When we sit down, when we lie down, when we rise up, keep them always before us. Let's meditate on God's word. Reflect on what we have, what we have just read. Now, again, this is not an exhaustive list, but this is the ones that I came up with tonight. Pray, honor the context, use resources, take notes, establish that routine, and reflect on your reading. Folks, our goal is to help you grow in your spiritual walk. That's what we want. And I hope that you can take some of these tips and implement them in in your reading. And many of you are already doing these things, and you are to be commended for that. I want to point to a passage in Colossians chapter 1. Paul's having to combat some false teaching with the church at at Colossae, this dangerous teaching. But he says something so amazing at the the end of the chapter, chapter 1. He says this in verses 28 and 29. We proclaim him, that's Christ, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete or mature in Christ. For this purpose also I labor striving according to his power, which he mightily works within me. What I want us to focus on there is Paul's goal that he's striving for, that he's laboring for, is to present every man mature in Christ. What Paul wanted to do was to see people to a point where they were mature in their faith, where they were no longer just at the milk of the word, but they're at the meat of the word. Not just baptize them and leave them, but disciple them to the point where they are mature in their faith. And I think I could speak for David here. Our goal as ministers is to help you reach maturity in your faith and stay mature in your faith. To get into the word and start chewing on it and really get down into the the deep parts of scripture and applying them to our lives. That's That's one of our main goals is to help you become complete in your faith. And we can help one another in this goal to become mature in our faith. We believe that a huge part of becoming mature in our faith, a part that cannot, we cannot mature without, is being in the Word of God. Is reading it, contemplating it, diving into it, studying it deeply, talking about it with one another. And that's what we want to push you into doing in 2024. Is reading the Word, really diving into it and becoming mature in your faith. 
I'd argue you cannot become mature in your faith without getting into the Word of God. And that's what we want to push you in this year. So folks, let's read the Word. Let's make it a goal this year to read the Bible every single day. And I'm telling you, if you do, you will grow. You will grow. You will be better because of it. Tonight, maybe you haven't been in the Word. Maybe you feel like it's, it's just other things have crowded it out. Well, you can start tonight. And if you want to come forward and ask for prayers, we, we, we receive you with open arms and pray with you and for you. If you've never given your life to Christ and you'd like to tonight and start diving into the Word and becoming mature in your faith, there's no better time to start than right now. If you have any need, please come forward as we stand and as we sing.